Well, praise the Lord, and welcome to our Romans Bible study. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here in my office at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas. I'm so thankful to have God's Word before me. You following along with us, get your Bibles. We're going to have a great time in the Lord today in this half-hour session of Romans chapter 8. We'll be in verse 13 today. It's going to be a, be a very, very informative uh, a session today. I know the Holy Spirit is going to give us that which we desperately need, that which will bring us up and out of where we are and farther along into the plan and the will of God for our lives. Hallelujah. Uh, don't forget that everything we do here at Crossway Church is uploaded to the YouTube channel, which is Curtis Hutchinson 316. Also, our website is thecrosswaychurch.com. There you can hit the donate button and help us do what God's called us to do. And we're just excited about you having an opportunity to sow into this ministry for it is good ground. You can also uh, give by just simply texting 903-231-5950. And uh, we just praise God for all of you who are helping us get these Expositor Study Bibles six a week into the hands of inmates who are requesting them. Uh, we have a pile. The pile grows daily. Here it is. This is what we have right now. We mail six a week into the hands of inmates. It takes $37 per Bible after the cost of the Bible and the shipping of the Bible and all that they have to pack with it and all that stuff to get it into the hands of the inmates. So $37 per Bible. You <coughs> can put a Bible, an expositor's study Bible, into the hands of an inmate who has requested this Bible powerful. Read a letter in church last night from an inmate. We seldom get letters back uh, saying thank you. Uh, and we, I read one of an inmate telling us thank you for the Bibles. And I read another request from an inmate, who his, which is always the case. They saw and, and their buddy allowed them to read their expositor study Bible. And this guy said, I'm converting from uh, uh, from being a Muslim, I'm, 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 I'm converting from that to Christianity. And I, that just excites my soul. And all he had to do, because he's looking for truth, all he had to do was get a little taste of the Expositor Study Bible. And some people I, say, I know, they say, well, why that Bible? Well, the Expositor Study Bible, all the notes in that Bible point you to the work of Christ at Calvary. There's where you find everything that God has for you through Christ and his work at Calvary. So help us with that if you could. And uh, also, we have another church in Wichita Falls, Texas, Crossway Church there. It's at 3100 Seymour Road. And uh, Pastors Colton and Casey Hill are planning on making the move there to take that church over in early November. So praise God for that. Please pray for them to find the right home and to be able to have the favor of the Lord there in that move and, and pastoring that local church. And one last thing before we dig into the Word this morning. Next week, a week from tonight, Determined Camp Meeting begins. And I want you to tune in to every service if you cannot be here. People are coming from all over this nation, literally all over several states, 
people are coming to this year's determined camp meeting and the theme this year is all in we're all in we're not still tiptoeing around the message of the cross and we have become determined to be all in determined to know nothing other than Christ and him crucified and I if you can you need to be here uh, if you need any information about hotels or anything, you just send me an email at curtishutchinson at att.net. And you can go ahead and also, uh, if you're planning on coming or you're not coming, you can also start sending your offerings for the camp meeting ahead of time on the website, thecrosswaychurch.com, or again, by texting 903-231-5950 to help us with the cost of everything that goes on during camp meeting. Praise God for you. So, uh, here we are this morning in Romans chapter 8, and verse 13 is where we are today. And if you've missed any of these teachings, these sessions on Romans, I want to tell you, you can go all the way back to Romans chapter 1, verse 1, and verse by verse, we teach, we try to hear from the Lord concerning His truth, the truth of His Word. And now we have had a great time in the Lord going through this great book of Romans and we're only about halfway through right now. So go back and avail yourself to all the teaching sessions and there's also a year and a half worth of teaching on Galatians. There's a year to a year and a half worth of teaching on Ephesians. Avail yourself to these things. Those of you, I know you will if you're hungry for the truth of God's word. So, verse 13, going to be very powerful today, and I know that God is, is doing a great thing in the church today. Those who have ears to hear are coming out of all the, the years of the decades and literally centuries of just being paralyzed as a church, just declaring, declaring, declaring things and no experience of things. And God is waking his people up to righteousness. God is waking his people up to truth. God is waking his people up to the very experience of living the Christian life. More than a church service. More than three chapters a day. More than a prayer life. Thank God for all those things. Uh, they're needed. But God is awakening his people up unto the, the reality of the experience of Christ who is our life. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about just going to church and singing songs and sitting under a message. I'm talking about living the abundant Christian life where sin no long, longer dominates you because you're learning what it means to be under grace and free from the law. Praise God. Hallelujah. So watch this in verse 13 today. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. So this is to the church. This is not to lost people. This is to the church. Um, the, the Calvinistic view uh, the, the, the folks who follow uh, really the fullness of what Calvinism really is, they never can understand Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8. 
You know, when I go by a commentary on Romans, the first thing I do is go to Romans chapter 6, verse 3, and if that commentator is talking about water baptism there, when it just plainly says we've been baptized into the death of Christ, not a tank of water, if he's talking about water baptism, I close it, politely put it back on the shelf, and keep moving, because I already know he doesn't know, he may know the concrete evidence of justification, but he knows absolutely nothing of sanctification. And that, my friends, is what God is doing in the church today. He's bringing to life the reality of the truth of sanctification, teaching us how to possess our vessels in sanctification and honor. Hallelujah. Bringing us back to our first love, back to the cross and faith in that alone so we're no longer paralyzed so that we can put away that that that's that living after the flesh and through the spirit learn how to mortify the deeds of the body it's very important going to say some things that'll shock you today, uh, probably need to be shocked, and I've learned this, that this reformation that God has his church in today, very few, but he has it, he, it's, it's happening, we all have to get mad before we get glad. That's just the reality of it. So don't stop preaching the truth, you preachers of righteousness, preachers of the cross. Don't stop preaching the truth just because their expressions on their face. Uh, don't, don't stop preaching the truth because they leave. Don't stop preaching the truth because they stop giving. You keep preaching the truth because the truth will make you mad before it makes you uh, free. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That Because our flesh doesn't like to die. Our flesh doesn't like to submit. Our flesh doesn't like to, to, to be put out of the position of leading us. And that's what following after the flesh is, us being led by our fleshly desires. And, and that's, I'm not just talking about, the Bible's not just talking about worldly, fleshly evil. No, we can also be walking after the flesh, led by our flesh, if we're depending on our own gifts and talents and our anything. Our dependence, our utter trust is in Christ through faith in his sacrifice. Our faith is not in Christ if it's not in his sacrifice. What we're after is grace. And grace only comes through our faith in the death of Jesus, Galatians 2 and 21. And that's the only avenue where you and I can become righteous in Christ. Servants of righteousness. Read, read Romans 6 and understand it. And again, let me make the comment. These folks who are just following this Calvinistic view, they can't understand Romans 6, 7, and 8. They cannot understand the book of Galatians because they just see lost and saved. That's why when they see somebody saved who claims to be saved living like they're lost, they say, well, they didn't really get saved. No, they have no concept, which they should because they don't live saved all the time. Hallelujah. Uh, be honest with yourself, you'll admit it. A liar, well, he'll go that other direction. But you need to think about that. It's not just lost and saved. There is, the, there is a status of you're either lost or saved, but the saved need to be taught how to live saved. You ask, and I, I want to challenge you today. Just 
ask a Christian, someone who knows who, who who is a Christian, they claim to be a Christian, how do I live for God? I've got things in my life that are not right. How do I live for God? And they will begin to tell you, well, you need to be in church. You need to study the Word. And we do. But no, that's not what the question is. How do I live, experience this abundant life for God? How do I turn the other cheek? How do I go the extra mile? How do I love when I'm hated? How do I get up and go to the house of God to worship when I don't really want to or feel like it? How do I get in the Word and study because I really don't want How do I overcome? How do I live for God? How do I follow after the leading of the Spirit? How do I live this victorious life? Because doing something is going to church won't bring victory. Doing something such as studying the Word won't bring victory. Doing my doing something such as anything, even the things in the Bible for me to be doing won't bring victory. Doesn't mean I'm following after the Spirit. And we're either following after the flesh and experiencing death. Most Christians don't even know they're walking in a place of death. And in the last chapter, Romans 7, verse 9, Paul said, I was alive once without the law. That's when he met Christ and accepted Christ. And Lord, what would you have me do? He accepted Jesus. He was born again. But then he says, the commandment came. He turned back to the law. He turned back to the commandments. And he says, the sin nature revived and I died. But he didn't fall physically dead. He just begin to walk in a place that wasn't in Christ. There's no fruit bearing. The Holy Spirit cannot produce and you cannot bear the fruit of the Lord if we're following after the flesh. Most Christians think, I, we're just doing, brother, we're just doing what we feel is right. We're not called to do what we feel is right. We're called to walk in obedience to the Word of God. Amen, Brother Curtis. We're called to walk in obedience to the Word of God. Not what we feel is right, what God says is right. Amen. So, watch this. If we live after the flesh, if we're led by our flesh, we shall die. And, I'll, and I have to bring this up quite often. Especially for those folk who think the church can't die. Well, Paul said he died. He didn't fall physically dead. He just began to walk in a place that was no longer in Christ. Colossians 2 and 6 says, As you have received, therefore, the Lord Jesus Christ, so, just like you received him, walk ye in him. And remember, Romans 6 and 3 says, We were immersed into the death of Christ when we believed upon him. The Holy Spirit placed us into the body of Christ by immersing us into the death of Jesus. That's why Paul would say in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. God saw Jesus dying on the cross in a humble act of obedience to such a degree representing the sins of humanity in such a degree that he also saw all those who would trust in Christ and his work at Calvary as being crucified with him. Now think about that. 
And the Bible says in Colossians 2, 6, just as you received him, so walk ye in him. And we didn't receive Christ by uh, doing a work. We receive Christ by faith in his work at Calvary. And the Bible says, walk ye in him just like you received him. So when we, ex when we accept all these fads, the purpose-driven, the government of 12, uh, the, the, the prayer shawls, anything other than the work of Christ at Calvary, when we accept it, those are golden calves, all of them. God's not using them. He's not using them. It's never Christ and him crucified and. The ands are over after Christ and him crucified. There are no more ands. There are no more buts. That's it with God. That is the testimony of God. That is the power and the wisdom of God. Christ and him crucified, period. Hallelujah. Not and. And anything else eliminates us from the grace of God. Hallelujah. Because he only can lead us according to the truth he can reveal to us that we accept. That's being led of the Spirit. Think about that. If, we're, if we live after the flesh, we'll die. And let me get back to this. The church in Sardis, and I've been bringing it up a lot over the last several months. The church in Sardis was told by Jesus through John in the letter to them, you have a name that you're alive. What's that mean? Oh, you got more conferences and works and events and, 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 and activities. Man, you've got a name that you're alive. But Jesus says you're dead. Born again. Filled with the Spirit of God, a church full of activity to the point they have a regional or maybe worldwide name that they're alive. But Jesus says, you're actually dead. The church being called dead. Not lost people in the church. The born again, spirit filled, on a mission for God, they think, full of works, but they're dead. Why? Because they're no longer abiding, walking in Christ. Yes, in their position, they're in Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father. But let me say something very important to you today. Your experience is of utmost importance to you and more important to God. If it weren't, he wouldn't have a need to tell Paul, to tell the church in Rome and us that if you turn back to trusting any commandment, any law, anything other than Christ and what he did for you at Calvary, you die. You go blind, 2 Peter 1, 9. And in Revelation 3, 1 through 6, the church in Sardis, oh my Lord, to look at them, you'd think God was on the move. But there was not God functioning there. He told them to repent and get back to the place where they could hear and receive. They were no longer hearing from God. Now, they, let me say it again. They had more conferences and activities and events and programs for every age and every marital, non-married, sing, oh, old, young man. They had a name that they were a church alive. But Jesus said they're dead. That means they're walking in a place where there's no fruit. Now, I want you to think about that. Are you sitting in a church today that's teaching you how to live 
after the Spirit. How to, through the Spirit, mortify the deeds, the Bible says, of the body so that you can live. The experience of life is the deeds of the body being put to death. The experience of Christ, who is our life, is the experience of the deeds of the body being put to death. That means us not following, being led by our flesh, which is anything other our faith being in than Christ in what he did at Calvary. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's biblical things. God has given humanity one object of faith. The Redeemer and that avenue through which he redeemed us. Think back in the Garden of Eden when God rushed in. He gave them the promise of the seed of the woman, a Redeemer, and the way the Redeemer would save humanity by becoming an innocent sacrifice. That's Jesus and what he did at Calvary. And I know people say, well, we've got the whole Word of God. Yes, but all through the ages, all God did was speak his testimony of that coming Redeemer, Every time God's people went into captivity, it was because they looked away from that promise and they would eventually have to repent, cry out to God, and God would begin to paint that portrait of Christ to them again. Through the prophets, the law and the Psalms, the picture of Christ began to grow. The picture of Christ through the prophets, the law and the Psalms. Jesus said the law, the prophets, and the Psalms were concerning him. Luke 24, 44 through 46. John 5 and 39, Jesus said, You search the scriptures for in, sorry, he told them, Search the scriptures for in them. You think you have life, but they are they which testify of me. The scriptures are not life to us if our faith is not in the one who is our life and what he did to become our life. So my faith is not even in the scriptures if it's not in Christ and what he did at Calvary because that's what God laid from before the foundation of the world to anchor our faith in so that when he did speak to us according to his word, the Holy Spirit would be able to lead us legally. And I know people hear that word legally and say, we're not under law. I can't believe you're using the word legal. Listen, it's always been law with God and man. Adam, you're free to eat of all the trees in the garden, but just don't eat off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the day you eat of that tree, here comes that word again, folks, you shall surely die. That's law. That's legalities. The legalities of the situation, Adam, the garden is yours. Keep it. Every tree is yours to eat from, but don't eat off that tree. In the day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. And, 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 and God has always dealt with us based on a law. Even us today. In Hebrews chapter 7, the Bible says that because the priesthood changed, and it did, the Aaronic priesthood the, the, uh, went out the window, and the new priesthood began, began, the priesthood after the order of Melchizedek, who is Jesus Christ, our eternal great high priest, hallelujah, because the priesthood changed, there was also, listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews 7, a necessity that the law changed. There's a new law because there's a new priesthood. And the new law is not the law of Moses, the law of us doing. It's the law of the spirit of life 
in Christ Jesus, the law based on now our faith in Him. For, for that's what gets us in Him. And that's how we walk in Him. That's how we no longer live after the flesh. But through the Spirit, which means... Listen, when you see the words through the Spirit, remember the legalities. The Spirit of God works according to the new law of the new covenant, which is the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Go back up to verse 2 in this very same chapter 8. For the law of the Spirit of life, the Holy Spirit, in Christ Jesus. Mm has made me free from the law of sin and death, which explains the focus and how the law works. My faith in what Christ, who He is, and what He did at Calvary, that's what freed me from the law of sin and death. That, when I believe that, is what allowed the Holy Spirit to legally immerse me into Christ, free me from sin, hallelujah, Give me the new declaration that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm no longer under the dominion of sin because that only takes place under law. Now I'm under grace. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Can you see it today? But if, we're, if we live after the flesh, trusting in anything other than Christ and what He did in His flesh at the cross... If I'm not trusting in His work alone and what He did in His flesh alone, I'm trusting in something else. And me trusting in anything else negates, makes my faith no longer legitimate to God. And I become what? Dead. No, I don't fall physically dead. I just walk now in a place where I may have a, a name that I'm alive. I may have a, the greatest form in the region of, of religion, of godliness, but I'm denying the power. Remember Titus 1 and 16 says that they profess they know God, but they're denying Him in their works. Sardis was denying God in their works. Their, their works was giving them the name they had across the region, possibly worldwide. But Jesus said they're dead. See, this is a convicting message, and it should be. And this is what most of the church refuses to sit under. I'm not listening to that. Why? Because it, the devil does such a good job at what he does. It's so bad. The devil can seduce most of the church today when they're convicted and, and tells them that's not conviction, that's condemnation. They're condemning you. And God won't condemn you. If you're a child of God, you're not condemned in his eyes. There's no condemnation from him towards you. But you can sure be led of the flesh and walk in a place of death. And as long as I'm trusting in anything other than Calvary, I'm not being led of the Spirit. I have no power to mortify the deeds of the body to be able to experience the life that Jesus died to abundantly give me. Hallelujah. Oh, this is good today. All those years I was trusting in every fad and every wind of doctrine that blew through town. All those years that we fought faith in this and faith in that and we could just declare God's word and make things happen, that's us trying to control God. And I know the devil, he's good at what he does. It's so bad he can turn that around to make you think that it's God. Listen, 
Nowhere in the Bible does it say God's going to hearken unto you. Many times it says you better hearken unto Him. Because faith don't come by you telling God what you want to happen. Faith comes when you're hearing God's Word telling you what you need, where you need to walk. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, if I'm living after the flesh, and I am, if I'm trusting anything other than what Christ did in his flesh at Calvary, go back up to uh, verse 3, for what the law could not do, and the law is anything I'm trusting in other than Christ and his work at Calvary, for that's the new law, my friend, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. See, the only f work of the flesh our faith is to be in is what Christ did in his flesh. He lived a sinless life and became our sin-bearing offering. And you have to have, I have to have, we have to have our faith there and there alone. Well, what about the entirety of God's Word? If you will come back to the cross, if you will place your faith in Christ and what He's accomplished for you at Calvary and understand it's a legal matter with God, then the Holy Spirit, He didn't save you till you believed that work. He couldn't because it's a legal matter. And He, listen, He can't lead you unless your faith is in that work because it's a legal matter for him to even be able to lead you. He can't produce in you anything unless he's able to lead you. And he can't lead us unless we're believing the truth he's revealing to us. And that truth is a man named Jesus and what he did at Calvary. And the Bible then, not we go and choose what we want to use the Bible for, but when our faith is in Christ and what he did at Calvary, then the Holy Spirit will lead us according to the Word of God. And then our declaration will be as it has been for hundreds of thousands, hopefully millions now, after 22 years of the church being awakened in this new reformation that we're in, I feel like I've been born again all over again. Why are we saying that? Because the Holy Spirit has been able to convict us of our wrong direction, awaken us unto righteousness, and begin to lead us, lead us once again in the path of righteousness, not by what we're doing, but by our faith in what Christ did for us. It is that narrow, my friends. It is that narrow. And it's not getting more narrow. I told the Lord that a couple of, three or four years ago, and he said, no, Curtis, the way is not getting more narrow. You're just now learning how narrow it's always been. Faith in one man and one man's work, that's the end of it. Then the Holy Spirit can show you, teach you the truth of who the Savior is, Christ, and what he will do by grace in your life today through your faith if your faith remains in the work of Christ, that legal work that today allows the Holy Spirit legally to lead you after the truth of Christ. That is, putting to death 
the deeds of the body through faith in Jesus and his work because outside of his work, nowhere else can the deeds of the body be put to death. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. Please help us publish the truth. Please don't just comment. Thank God for the comments. We're praying for all of you who do. Don't just like the message. Please share. Help us publish the word of truth as it is in righteousness. God bless you. We love you. Hope to see you at camp meeting. All those services beginning next Thursday night will be streamed live. And I just praise God for that great technology the Lord's blessed us with. So we love you. Pray for us. We're praying for you. And until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you then.